Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 341 for the 4th of Cheshvan in a leap year. So it's a common understanding or perception throughout the world, not even just in Judaism, but in general, where people look at the world and they say things like, it's a backwards world. The world is upside down. It's topsy-turvy. The bad people rule. The good are impoverished. There's that whole movie, Revenge of the Nerds, which was sort of like this idea that like the nerds finally take control. The nerds will inherit the earth kind of thing, you know. Uh, So there's this kind of understanding that the world is unjust. And this isn't wrong you know we've learned this in uh in tanya quite a few times in the in the last epistle that we learned epistle 25 we spoke about this we spoke about this idea about how it is that in the world that we live in evil really does dominate the world unfortunately because um goodness godliness is in a state of exile and this is what allows for things to exist in the world that are really the antithesis of god whether we're talking about idolaters, whether we're talking about people who cheat and steal or just are not very nice people and that kind of thing, right? And so today we're beginning a new epistle, Epistle 26. And in this epistle, we're going to actually kind of bring the remedy for all this and give us a little bit of hope. What is this hope? This hope concerns what we know of as the messianic era. So as I've spoken about previously on the podcast, one of the central tenets of Judaism, which is not present in many other religions throughout the world, but it is there in Judaism, is that there's a linear aspect to creation. We're going somewhere. We're not just in this like vicious cycle going throughout life and over and over repeating the same things over and over again, we're actually going somewhere. We're moving in a certain direction. And that direction is to a state which we know of as the Messianic era, which is when the world will be in the correct format, where it won't be topsy-turvy. It won't be the negativity ruling, but it actually will be the good ruling over the, the, the negative. And a simple way to kind of understand this, which is what we're going to bring up today, is that nowadays, when we think about really holy people, right? Like, let's say somebody who devotes their lives to the service of God, to holy service, maybe to learning Torah all day long, which is God's wisdom. So how is it that they're able to live? How do they, how are they able to sustain themselves? They can only sustain themselves because of other people who are working and, you know, other people who are involved in the world who sustain them. So they're being like uh, subsisting on things that are very exile kind of thing. We can also think about this in terms of Shabbos in relation to the rest of the week, right? So those of you that keep Shabbos, uh, you all know that like, you know, when, when Shabbos comes around, we have a beautiful Shabbos meal. It's a really nice rest to the entire week. And 
at the same time, how is Shabbos possible? How are we able to have this really lavish Shabbos meal, these really, this really nice furniture that we can sit on and enjoy and really nice wine and all that stuff is because of the work that we do during the week, right? So really, if you think about it, the weekday work is nourishing the Shabbos. This is the, it's like, that's where the Shabbos gets its sustenance from it. The Shabbos is dependent upon the rest of the week, just like the Torah, Torah scholars are dependent upon those who work. But what if you could imagine a world in which it would be the exact opposite, where in fact, the rest of the world would be nourished by the Torah scholars, or the rest of the week would be nourished by Shabbos. In fact, this is the true reality of the world. This is the ultimate state of the world. It's just not a, a state that's revealed. And in the time of times of Mashiach, it will be revealed. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. And we're going to be talking about this in, in terms of the different aspects of, of Torah and how Torah is, has, there's different ways that Torah is referred to. Torah is sometimes referred to as the tree of life. And sometimes it's referred to as the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we're going to explore these two categories as we get deeper into the epistle. But for today, we're really going to focus on the, the idea that the tree of life aspects of the Torah, what this is referencing is the deeper aspects of the Torah, the Kabbalistic aspects of the Torah, and that this is this is the uh, the kind of like gateway to get us to this Messianic place, to this Messianic era, and that it's understood to be kind of like um, a segula, I guess we could call it, like a, it's hard to translate the word segula into English, but like sort of like a, uh, a good luck term, maybe, you know, something that can help bring about the Messianic era, what, what can help bring this state about is actually learning Kabbalah, actually learning this deeper aspect of the Torah that can get us into this mindset of, of peeling away the falsehood of the reality we live in now and get us into this deeper state of consciousness as of, of the true reality, which is that good really does dominate and this will bring it into a revealed state. So with that being said, let's get into the text and for context, what this epistle is, uh, how it begins and what what really encompasses the entirety of today's section is a quote from it, it's a it's a long quote from what's known as the Rea Mehemna, which is a section of the Zohar, which is a Kabbalistic book, and the rest of the epistle is going to be an elaboration upon this teaching. So today, the ultra Rabbi just cites from this sefer and uh, and g- to give us this background as to what it is. And so the sefer is actually in, Ara- the, in Aramaic. The Zohar was written in Aramaic. My Aramaic is not really up to speed. So I'm going to be using the translation from um, from Lessons in Tanya for the most part. And I'll kind of like pause as I go along if I feel like that there's a need to kind of like elaborate upon this. Okay, so for context, we're going to be beginning Epistle 26 of Yigaris HaKodesh. And so the Altarabba begins the section by bringing a teaching from the Ram Nehemna, which again is, uh, is, a, is a part of the Zohar, a section of the Zohar. Uh, so this teaching of the Ram Nehemna is on Parshas Naso. So, so the Ram Nehemna, I believe, is like divided up into the different Parshas of the Torah and has different explanations, deeper explanations of the Parshas of the Torah, Kabbalistic explanations. So here, this section of the Ram Nehemna is specifically d- discussing the Parsha of Naso. Uh, and it's found in the third part of the Zohar on page 124b. And so to begin the commentary there on Parshas Naso, the Ram Nehemiah actually cites a verse from Daniel, from the prophet Daniel, 
chapter 12, verse 3, which says, And the wise shall shine like the radiance of the firmament. So this is referring to a time in the future era. Okay, so basically we're going to be talking about the future era and what is this radiance that's going to shine in the future era. So the Ramahamna uh, in this citation says, with this work of yours, which is the book of the Zohar, so this this uh, a reference to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, that's his book, he, he wrote the book of the Zohar, from the radiance of Ima Ila'a, which is Tshuva, so from the radiance of supernal mother, which is Tshuva, with those who studied this work, no trial is needed. Okay, so just a little bit of background to explain this. So basically, so there are different aspects of the Torah, right? There's the written Torah, there's the oral Torah, like the Gemara and stuff like that. And then there's Kabbalah. That's like the deeper aspects of the Torah. So in Kabbalistic understanding, then these different parts of the Torah come from, have different spiritual sources to them. So the written Torah, like the actual scripture that we think of as scripture, that comes from the the space of Zer Anpin, which uh, if you've been following along the podcast, that is the six emotive attributes that, as they are found in the world of Atsilas. That's the source of the written Torah. The oral Torah, by contrast, which is like the Gemara, the Mishnah, things like that, come from what's known as Nukva, or in other words, a synonym for that is Malchus of Atsilas, the lowest aspect of Atsilas. So that's that's where the oral Torah come from, comes from. Okay, now what about Kabbalah? What about like the deeper aspects of the Torah? This comes from what's known as Ima Ila'a, which is supernal mother, which is Bina of Atsilas. And that's the realm of tshuva. So this could be a whole discussion of its own, right? But just to kind of uh, say a little something about that, that basically tshuva, repentance, we've spoken about this in previous parts of the Tanya, the really, really deep idea that basically tshuva comes from a higher place than Torah, than uh, than Torah and mitzvahs. So Torah and mitzvahs is this realm of Zeranpin and of Nukva, this the written Torah and the oral Torah and all of that. But Shuva comes from a higher place. Shuva is even higher than these things. The power of repentance allows a person to kind of like attached to God, attached to their source in a way that transcends even Torah and mitzvahs, which is why it can attach a person to to God in spite of, or in fact, according to Hasidus, kind of because of, due to a person actually transgressing um, Torah and mitzvahs to a certain extent, because it's specifically, how do you do tshuva? You do tshuva over, over something that you did wrong. So if you do something wrong, you know, you shouldn't, not that you should go out looking to do something wrong, but through doing something wrong, if you then do tshuva on that thing that you did wrong, you can actually attach to God in a way that's higher than Torah and mitzvahs. It's a really amazing idea. So here, so what, going back to our text, what the Rebbe Mehemna is basically saying here is that this book of the Zohar comes from the radiance of Imaila, from the supernal mother, which is the aspect of tshuva. And so those who study this work, when he says no trial is needed, what that means is it's going to, through studying this work, it's actually going to tap a person into Mashiach times into this higher place. Why? Because, continues the Ram Nehemna, eventually the Jewish people will taste of the tree of life, which is the book of the Zohar. So now we have another term for the Zohar. It's It stems from Ima Ilah, from supernal mother, but it's also what it's actually called is it's called the, the tree of life. And they will go out of exile with it in mercy. And for them shall be fulfilled the verse, and this is a verse from Devarim, chapter 32, verse 12. I'll read it in Hebrew. Hashem badad yanchenu ve'en imo 
kel nechar. God alone will lead them and there is no strange God with him. So basically it's like a kind of like a, a, a get out of jail free card to get to the Mashiach times to get there faster and to get there in a more direct way is to study the Zohar, to study these teachings. And this is referred to as the tree of life. Okay, so now we have a pretty clear understanding of what is what is meant by the tree of life in this context. Now the, the Ramahamna goes on and he says, okay, now what about the tree of knowledge of good and evil? So the tree of knowledge of good and evil is this is like when we talk about the prohibition and permission, impurity, impurity. Um, that's that's what it's a reference to. So uh, so else so when we go further on in this section, the Altrap is going to ex- examine all of this and he's going to explain how people sometimes have this like false understanding that the tree of of life is Kabbalah and then the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that's the rest of the Torah. That's like the simplistic, more like, maybe simplistic isn't the right word, but that's like the more grounded t- type of the Torah, the Gemara, the Mishnah, all of those details, those those kind of like like uh, the revealed Torah, we call it, that's that's what people think of as the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But in fact, the ultra is going to explain that no, all of it is the tree of life. Torah in general is called the tree of life. The only difference is that the tree of life is, yes, it's the entire Torah, but once you start getting into the nitty gritty of like the prohibitions, permissions, impurity, purity, all that stuff, that's the realm of, that's what we refer to as the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because it's like sorting through what's good and what's evil and all of that. So here, the Ram Nehemiah continues and he says that in this Messianic times, then this tree of knowledge of good and evil will no longer dominate Israel. For their sustenance will derive only from the side of the tree of life, where there is no problematic query, which emanates from the side of evil and no controversy, which emanates from the side of impurity. So what it's saying here basically is that in the future times, in the times of the of Mashiach, there's not going to be this struggle anymore between good and bad and and purity and impurity and all of that. As it is written, says the Ram Mahamna, and citing here from Zechariah chapter 13, verse 2, and the spirit of impurity I shall remove from the earth. So thus, what is this going to translate into? What will this look like? It, this, it will be that the Torah scholars will not be sustained by the illiterate people, but from the side of the good, who eat that which is pure, kosher, and permitted. So um, normal, so meaning to say that like nowadays, like I mentioned in the introduction, nowadays Torah scholars, they get their sustenance from business people, right? Like it, it, there's lots of people have these arrangements where it's like some people go to, uh, like these business people give lots of sukkah to Torah scholars so that they can learn and they don't have to worry about money. But right now we live in a physical reality. We have to worry about money. Like think about like uh, shluchim that go out and have Chabad houses. How much of their time do they have to spend on fundraising? That's like most of the job of shliach is fundraising or maybe creating a side business or something like that. Like a lot of energy has to go into worldly affairs. But in the future, this is not what's going to happen. And they won't need to be sustained by illiterate people, says the Rebbe Nehema, um, but rather from the side of good. And not only that, they won't be sustained by what is known as the heir of Rav. So the heir of Rav is translated to mean the mixed multitude. These are these were the people who left uh, Egypt and they weren't really Jewish. And so I'm not really sure, honestly, like who uh, the Ramahamna is, is referring to here, but somehow there's a reference to this mixed multitude, like, like kind of like, I guess what is coming to mind for me is that the Torah scholars are receiving 
their sustenance in a way that's not entirely straightforward. Um, these people who, you know, from people who eat that which is impure, richly unfit and prohibited. So, you know, sometimes Torah scholars have to get their money from people who aren't necessarily the best of people, or like, even if they're not like bad people, but like somehow, you know, not, not, it's not an ideal situation, basically. And so now the Ram Nehemiah continues and he says, what, but so right now, while the tree of good and evil dominates the world, which is the situation we're in right now, these sages who are likened to the Shabbos and the festivals have nothing except what is given to them by those who are called the unsanctified ones in, in quotation marks. So Right. So that's how it is. This is the reality that we live in right now is that Torah scholars, very holy people, they get their sustenance from people who are not so holy and from you, the, this is how they are able to live. Just like the Shabbos day, which has only what has been prepared for it on a weekday. So just like I mentioned in the introduction, how do you have nice Shabbos food to eat and, you know, a beautiful table and how are you able to afford these things? It's because of the work that you do during the week, right? You need the weekdays in order to do that. However, that's only right now where the tree of knowledge of good and evil dominates. But in the future, when the tree of life will dominate, the tree of good and evil will be suppressed and the illiterate people will only have what the Torah scholars give them. So everything's going to be reversed. It's not going to be this topsy-turvy world anymore. It's going to flip in the opposite direction. And then these illiterate people will have, it's the Torah scholars that that will nourish them and they will be subjugated to them as if they did not exist in this world. Accordingly, the prohibited and the permitted, the impure and the pure will not be removed from the illiterate people. As regards to them, there will be no difference between the era of exile and the days of Mashiach, except for the Jewish people's release from servitude to the nations. Okay, so that's interesting. So basically what the Ram Nehemna is saying here is that in the future to come, those people who are not, who didn't, don't prepare for it properly, who are kind of just still stuck in the mud, so to speak, they're actually not going to experience this like great difference in consciousness, the only thing that's going to happen, and they're still going to be stuck in this like struggling between good and bad. But the only difference to them is that the the Jewish people will will uh, be released from servitude. So like there won't be the same dependency anymore. So like maybe, you know, thinking about it, this is just my own thought is that right now we know that the state of Israel is very much dependent on the nations, you know, on, on money from America and stuff like that. So in the future, maybe this won't be the case you know, hopefully it won't be the case and we'll be self-dependent in that way. The Jewish people will not be subservient to the nations in that way. However, for those people who are still kind of stuck in the mud, who haven't achieved this, like they haven't tapped into this tree of life, they won't be able to really overcome the, the struggle between good and evil. And that's indeed how this section concludes, where it says, for they will not have tasted of the tree of life and will require the Mishnayos, which set out the laws of prohibition and permission, impurity and purity. And this is the end of the quotation from Ramahamna concludes the ultra best. So yeah, so basically it's like, this gives a whole new insight into Torah study and what Torah study is all about is that when people, if you ever look at, you know, people, or if you've ever experienced it yourself, learning Gemara and guys learning Chavrusa and Gemara, and it gets very argumentative and this this person says this and that person says that and this opinion says that. What all of that is, all of this back and forth 
is on a spiritual level. It's the sorting through of good and evil. It's a sorting process. That's what's happening. And so in the future to come, this basically what the Ram and Hona is teaching us is that this sorting through process is going to be relevant for those people who don't prepare themselves properly for it by learning Kabbalah, by learning these teachings. But if a person does, they can actually transcend it and they can actually tap into this, this, um, this reality in the future, which will manifest in the sense that the Torah scholars will actually be nourishing uh, the business people and you know the impure people and, and things like that, and not the other way around. And by extension, it seems like he doesn't say this explicitly, but it sounds like it would be that Shabbos would actually nourish the rest of the weekdays as well. So that's it for today, and we're going to continue with this epistle tomorrow when the Altarava begins to elaborate on all of this. So stay tuned, and I will speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.